50% of our fighters are from the U.S., uh, the other 50% uh, from, from parts of the world, spanning from Russia to Brazil to different parts of Europe and Latin America. And, and frankly, uh, we had the opportunity to partner and sign uh, some of the best available athletes uh, in MMA. Welcome to the Sports Business Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Berger. You can find the Sports Business Radio Podcast over 14 years, 500 episodes featuring conversations with people like Mark Cuban, David Stern, Jeannie Buss, Charles Barkley, Jack Nicholas, and Kyrie Irving on iTunes or at sportsbusinessradio.com. We're ranked in the top 100 of the Business News Podcast section on iTunes. Follow us in between podcasts on Twitter at SB Radio. We've been named a top 50 followed by Forbes.com for three consecutive years. And on Instagram at Sports Business Radio. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. My guest, Peter Murray, the CEO of the Professional Fighters League, the PFL. And uh, they're kicking off this week, June 7th, live on NBCSN and Facebook Watch. Interesting twist on how they're doing things. 2018 season has 72 fighters, six weight classes. They compete on Thursday nights in June, July, and August. The top eight in each weight class face off in single elimination playoff fights on Saturday nights in October. And then the PFL concludes on December 31st, six championship bouts back to back with a $10 million prize pool. Interesting structure for the league. Interesting content deals. We'll talk to Peter Murray on our show today. But first, some headlines. I'm joined in studio by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how's it going? It's good. It's a fun time of year. Just still uh, catching up on sleep from New York. Great trip. Still uh, reliving the moments. No sleep till Brooklyn. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that was uh, that was a fun trip. Uh, I, too, am still catching up on some sleep. But uh, we've got lots of exciting things coming up here on... Uh, For sure. Sports Business Radio, and uh, you know, one of the things that I want to alert our listeners about is we've kind of been here and there with the podcast. It seems like we get one done every week, but in the future, we're going to do our best to record every Tuesday, so hopefully we'll be posting a new podcast every Tuesday, maybe Wednesday sometimes, but Tuesdays is going to be our sweet spot for when we're going to put the podcast out, so Make sure if you're not subscribing to the Sports Business Radio podcast on iTunes that you are and look for that on Tuesdays. You can always follow us on social media at SB Radio and on Instagram at Sports Business Radio with descriptions of the upcoming podcast. But uh, we've got some great guests coming up, and uh, I'm excited about it, Greg. Yeah, it's fun. It's uh, it's fun to have something like every week now. It's going to be cool because we uh, you know, can focus in on a, either if it's one tar- targeted guest or maybe two guests, we can really uh, dive into them and get uh, get some good content for, for our listeners out there. So, yeah, subscribe. It's going to be fun, and uh, we'll have it up every Tuesday-ish. One of the things coming up, uh, July 19th, I'm flying down to Los Angeles with my 13 and a half year old daughter, and we will be attending the Nickelodeon Kids Choice Sports Awards. So some of the top athletes from around the world will be at that. We will be on the orange carpet, not the red <laughs> carpet, the orange carpet in Santa Monica. And uh, my daughter will be conducting those interviews. They want a kid doing the interviews at the Kids' Choice Awards. So uh, I'm looking forward to having her contribute to the show. She's done so in the past. But uh, we'll bring you those interviews from Los Angeles on the orange carpet. That will be uh, a fun day for us. Let's get to some headlines, Griggs. 
Uh, this one is a storyline that doesn't seem to be going away, and it's bad news for the NFL. President Trump canceled the Philadelphia Eagles White House visit this week. There were rumors that only 10 Philadelphia Eagles players were going to be making the trip to the White House. And once the White House found out about that, they didn't think that would be good optics, so they canceled the visit. Now, there were a number of other community events and things planned with the Eagles visiting the Washington, D.C. area. But here's the deal, Griggs, is this is a continued political statement by President Trump. And I don't want to turn this into a political show, but here's the deal. When you're not unified like the NFL owners and the NFL players, you're going to have this kind of stuff continue. If you look at the NBA and Adam Silver and the players in the NBA and the players union, this doesn't happen with them because they are unified. They're all on the same page. And the players in the NBA will always stand for the anthem. There's never any protesting against Adam Silver or the owners because they know if they need a platform to make any kind of a political statement, they're going to get the cooperation of the league. They're going to get the support of the league and the players union. The NFL doesn't have that. And what Donald Trump has continued to do here is he's saying, look, if you kneel for the anthem, you don't like the military, you're not patriotic. If you look at this Eagles team, Griggs, Chris Long, who plays for the Eagles, donated his entire 2017 salary to educational equality. Malcolm Jenkins has been one of the most thoughtful athletes in any sport in learning more about issues in the community and how to thoughtfully solve with them. He's been meeting with police. He's met with political leaders. Like They're actively rolling up their sleeves. And then you've got Fox News who comes on the next day after this announcement was made. And there's Eagles players that were praying, and they used that as optics of, oh, look at their kneeling. They didn't kneel for any games last year. There were other teams that did kneel. The Eagles weren't one of them. So the storyline and the narrative is being controlled by the White House. And it's because Trump is playing to his supporters who are very patriotic, very loyal to the military. But just because the players kneel doesn't mean that they're not patriotic or loyal to the military. And that's what's gotten lost here. But it's bad look for the NFL because, Griggs, the bottom line is this. People aren't talking about the games. They're not talking about free agency. They're not talking about the upcoming season and the schedule and the matchups. They're talking about politics. And they're talking about the NFL versus the White House and that is not the storyline that your league wants. It's just more uh, drama for the NFL. Like we've said the last, I don't know, three, four, five years. It's like they just can't get out of their own way. And it's like you said, it's off the field stuff that's conflicting everything. You know, it's not like no one's talking about the games like you're saying, the draft, the schedules, whatever. It's about Trump or the White House or kneeling. And it's taking away from the whole point of the sport and the fun of the sport and now it's a political battle and it's just a it's like a bad marriage like you said too with the, when the association is on with the players and the coaches and the managers you have the whole mess with that side of it too so you don't know what are we doing are we supposed to stand are we not supposed to stand are we supposed to kneel you just don't know it's a loss well so look president trump has seen that there is discord and the nfl is fractured again between the owners and the players he's taking full advantage of that to get his messaging across. He's controlling the narrative. 
if the NFL wants to change the narrative, they need to take the power back. They need to become unified. They need to do something different because if they don't, this story is going to go into the season. And we saw last year, oh, TV ratings are down. Is it because of the fact that this is going on? And there's a political tone to the NFL. Sponsors, maybe Papa John's and others, said, you know what? I don't want to be a sponsor of the NFL anymore, even though the NFL went out in like a matter of hours and replaced Papa John's with another pizza company as a sponsor. But they better get in front of this soon, because if not, it's going to go into the season. It's going to go on the entire season. And I find it really interesting that as of this moment, I've seen statements from the NFL Players Association. I've seen statements from the Eagles. You know who I haven't seen a statement from? Roger Goodell. Where is he in all of this? And is he basically reduced to a minion of the owners and of President Trump? Let's see if he has anything to say. All right, our next headline. This is one of those read the tea leaves headlines, Griggs. The XFL, which is going to start in 2020. Vince McMahon is behind it. A lot of people excited about it. They have lured Oliver Luck, who is the father of Andrew Luck, but more prominently was the number two executive at the NCAA under Mark Emmert. They have lured him away from the NCAA as their next commissioner. And some people may go, oh, that's cool. Andrew Luck's dad is the commissioner of the XFL. If you are inside like we are, And remember, we had Mark Emmert at our roadshow last December at the Players' Tribune. You know that many insiders have said, if the day comes where Mark Emmert is not the president of the NCAA anymore, Oliver Luck has great relationships with the university presidents, with athletic directors, with people on the NCAA staff. He is the heir apparent to succeed Mark Emmert. The fact that he's leaving the NCAA now to go pursue the XFL, and maybe they offered him a ton of money. Maybe it was an opportunity he couldn't refuse. But to me, if I'm reading tea leaves, it looks like I'm getting out before the you-know-what hits the fan even more at the NCAA, Griggs. Yeah, as soon as I saw the story, too, I thought the same thing. I'm like, yeah, cool for the XFL, but there is another story here, and it's the NCAA that's the disaster that it is. And I think with uh, him getting out of there, that tells you and me that, hey, there's something more even deep, deeper we probably don't even know because he's like, I'm out of here for something that's brand new. I mean, you know, it's probably a little bit of a risk for him to jump into something like this, but obviously I'm sure he'll be taken care of financially. But still, it's like he wants to get away from the NCAA, I think, more than – the new job. Well, and the other thing that's telling is that the NCAA is based in Indianapolis. His son plays for the Indianapolis Colts. He was in close proximity. He's close with his son. He is leaving Indianapolis to go take the XFL job, and I'm sure he can go see his son whenever he wants. But again, he was set up to be the successor to Mark Emmert. And the fact that he's not doing that is telling to me. It also shows me if the NCAA is going to exist for the long term. You know, you always in any company, Griggs, you want to be grooming the next wave of talent. And now who's that number two? Like if Mark Emmert left tomorrow or if he was fired tomorrow, who is that successor to him? Because if you answered that question yesterday, it was Andrew. It was uh, Oliver Luck. Now I don't know who that person is. So that's going to be interesting to watch as well. By the way, a side note: Oliver Luck was at my sports PR summit event last year. So I've met Oliver Luck. We know Mark Emmert. 
We are friends at the NCAA. Again, no one has made a formal statement to us, but if I'm connecting the dots and reading the tea leaves, this is a story to watch closely in the future. All right, our next headline, the NBA Finals, Griggs, as we record this, the Warriors are up two games to nothing. The ratings have been pretty flat with where they were last year. Keep in mind, this is the fourth year in a row we've had this matchup. But uh, the Warriors' 122-103 win at home in Game 2 hit 18.5 million viewers on ABC in primetime with a peak of 22.5 million near the end of the game. That's a 7% uptick from Game 1. But again, if you compare it to 2017, pretty flat with the ratings there. And, you know, you have to ask yourself, Griggs, are people bored of this matchup, or are they like, well, it's still the biggest stars in the sport. It's LeBron, it's KD, it's Steph. All watch it, because even though it is year four in a row, it's the NBA Finals. I think the matchup that everybody wanted was the Houston-Golden State. I feel like that was the series, because you felt like those were the two best teams. I know I was into that one more than the whole playoffs so far. But I think the story so far is game one and the disaster of the end of the game and all the stories that have come out of that. And the video that surfaced yesterday of the bench after LeBron's asking Tyrone Lou, did we have timeouts? And he finds out we did and he drops the head. Right. Uh, that's the story. I mean, that's everybody keeps talking about game one. Well, and, you know, you talk about connecting dots and tea leaves. LeBron looked so defeated at the end of game one. So you could argue that was the best game of his career, certainly yeah. Statistically, in the in the playoffs and the NBA Finals, fifty one points, you know, nearly had a triple double, did everything that you could. It comes down to the end. George Hill misses a free throw. J.R. Smith gets the rebound, doesn't know the score, even though he says he did. Doesn't call a timeout. Ty Lue has a timeout, didn't call a timeout. LeBron could have called a timeout, didn't call a timeout. And then you saw the video that you just referred to where LeBron gets to the bench and then he buries his head in his hands when he realizes there was a timeout. Anyone could have called a timeout and they could have gotten a final shot off to try and win it in regulation. And I think they knew once they went into overtime on the road at Golden State, it was going to be a tall order to win that game. And it was. You kind of felt like game one, the Warriors escaped. Cleveland came with their best shot. And then game two, Steph did his thing, a a record nine three-pointers, and it wasn't really a close game. And it may be a sweep. It may be a gentleman sweep, which is five games. But I don't think Cleveland has a chance in this series. And then, Griggs, less than a month away, the rumors for LeBron. Where is he going? You know we'll be doing a show on that. Decision. Decision 3.0. <laughs> First it was Miami. <laughs> then it was coming home to Cleveland. Now where will it be? But here's the deal. Look, I am someone, if you've listened to this show, if you've ever worked with me, I'm a perfectionist, right? I like things a certain way. I hold those around me to high standards. LeBron is the same way. And I could feel his frustration at the end of that game where he's like, I have done everything humanly possible on my end to win this game. And you buffoons can't call a timeout. You can't keep track of timeouts, time, score. That's got to be frustrating. You combine that with the fact that he doesn't like Dan Gilbert. 
you combine that with the fact that maybe he does want to spend more time at his homes in L.A. And maybe, by the way, his kids who are old enough to have a vote, they want to spend more time in L.A. than in Cleveland. I just don't see the scenario where LeBron returns unless someone else bought the team from Dan Gilbert and said, hey, I'm holding a big chunk of the team or the entire team for you, LeBron, when you're done playing. And he ends up as the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers down the road. I just don't see it. I think this first two games has been a microcosm of LeBron's frustration with the Cavs. I've done everything in my power to not only make this team a championship team, but to boost the economy in Cleveland, to give back to the community. I've given $41 million away to uh, kids for academic scholarships. Like, I've done everything I can for Cleveland. What have they done for me? And you've got me surrounded with a bunch of bozos on this team, other than Kevin Love. And I'm out. So that's how I think this story ends. But the prelude first is going to be how does the NBA Finals end? And Griggs, I just don't see it ending any other way than the Warriors in the winner's circle. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You hit on the points, and I think you kind of feel bad for LeBron because like that game one, you just saw him. I mean, he literally had that team on his back. Like, I'm going to give every effort in my entire body to see what we can do in this game. And I feel, and then how it ended just was like the most defeating part of the whole, um, his whole career with with Cleveland, I think. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I don't know, NBA lately, it's the summer is the fun part, you know, the free agency right. and seeing where all these big stars go. So I think, uh, I think fans, if you're a fan of the NBA, you're looking forward to the summer just to see not just LeBron, but there's other, other names too that could be bouncing around. The other thing that I will tell you to keep your eye on, and I'm going to make a prediction, I think by the time we record our next podcast next week that Brian Colangelo will be out as the president of basketball operations in Philadelphia. Uh, I just don't think Philadelphia wants that look going into free agency. They need a unified, buttoned-up organization. I think they have concerns about Colangelo and his Twitter feeds and his burner accounts. And by the way, Griggs, I got to tell you, I took a straw poll with some of my friends who work for sports teams this week. And the question was, do you have a burner account? And if so, why? Do you know, Griggs, that every single executive, and it's not like I talked to 100, but I I probably talked to at least 10, every single executive executive. And they're not all front office people. Some of them are in broadcasting. Some of them are in social media. Some of them are in production. Every single one of them, Griggs, has a burner account. And I said, why do you have a burner account? And are you think, are you thinking of getting rid of it in light of what you've seen with Brian Colangelo? And most of them are not thinking of getting rid of their burner accounts. They certainly need to pay closer attention and realize they could be outed, but they want to go back at the fans who are critical of everything from a front office decision to a coaching decision to someone who's critical of a team broadcast. It's amazing to me that you can't just let that stuff go. I'm someone who has a verified account on Twitter, at SB Radio. People come at me. People say things to me, I don't go back at them. I don't engage the trolls, okay? The ego that exists in sports, like you're Brian Colangelo. You're running an NBA team. You're a two-time NBA executive of the year. Don't you have better things to do with your time than go onto your burner account and get upset with fans who are criticizing the caller on your dress shirt? 
I mean, seriously. No, I totally agree. It's uh, it's fascinating to me that these guys that have such a platform and they're they're huge in the industry still have all these burner accounts and engage with these people. It's baffling to me. I don't understand it. It's uh, ego. It's ego, and that's what you're right. That's all. That's what it comes down to. But I just don't. I don't see why they risk what they have just by going back to, after somebody on Twitter. I don't get it. So keep your eyes on Brian Colangelo. We'll see, as I suggested on Twitter, if I was the Philadelphia 76ers, if I'm the owners of that team, and I want a legitimate chance to land LeBron James and keep him in the East and put him with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, I go out and hire David Griffin, the former Cavs GM who LeBron has a good relationship with, and I think you'd have a real crack at LeBron. For sure, you'd get a meeting with him, and keep in mind that LeBron and Ben Simmons, represented by the same agency, which LeBron actually owns, so Clutch Sports, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I think quickly you could see Colangelo out being replaced by someone else. David Griffin would make the most sense, and then you go into the playoffs and into free agency. But they've got to get this figured out sooner than later. All right, coming up next... My conversation with Peter Murray, the CEO of the Professional Fighters League. They start this week. Really interesting new format, interesting distribution. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. I'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is sponsored by Boingo Wireless, the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S. Today's sports fans expect strong, fast mobile connections at their favorite stadiums. Research shows that fans will leave at halftime if they cannot get connected, which is part of the reason why professional and collegiate sports venues alike work with Boingo to manage their wireless networks. As the world's leading connectivity expert, Boingo knows how to make a venue's vision for the connected fan experience a reality. They are the only company that can provide end-to-end wireless service so teams can focus on the big game, not on their network. Boingo designs, installs, and manages Wi-Fi and cellular networks at university stadiums like K-State and the University of Houston and major league venues like Soldier Field, Phillips Arena, and Vivint Smart Home Arena. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports, led by companies like Boingo. Boingo connects you to the people and things you love, like sports. For more information, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. My guest is Peter Murray. He is the CEO of the Professional Fighters League. You can find them on Twitter at Pro Fight League or online at PFLMMA.com. They debut this Thursday, June 7th. And uh, Peter, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Looking forward to this conversation. Ryan, thanks for having me. Uh, much appreciated. We're excited about the launch of the season here in New York. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute, but I want to start with your background. Uh, I like asking the executives that we have on this show about their background and the path that they took to get to where they are right now. You've worked in sports what looks like your entire career, most recently at Under Armour and the NFL before that. How did you wind up at the PFL as its CEO? Uh, yeah, my career, I started my career in advertising, and that led me to uh, the NFL, where uh, I was in marketing, ran a number of businesses for 13 years. Uh, from there, uh, I went to William Morris Endeavor. I headed up corporate consulting and our sports practice, really scratched my entrepreneurial itch uh, during that time. And then I launched my own company, Insignia, which was a uh, Steve Ross venture, a sports entertainment marketing firm. 
Uh, we built it from the ground up. And, and at Insignia is really where I, I, I had my first introduction uh, to the sport of MMA. Uh, I represented the World Series of Fighting. Uh, we secured their uh, first distribution deal with NBC at, uh, NBC Sports. Uh, my team did the marketing and the sale and sales. So we did that for a couple of years, and it really opened up my eyes to the sport, to the the amazing athletes, to the fan passion. Uh, and then from there, from Insignia, I I, I went to uh, work with Kevin Plank, the founder and CEO of Under Armour to help scale that brand and business around the world where I led global sports marketing and, and was a GM of a number of uh, number of categories, including Olympics and combat. And, and so this past spring, I, I, I had the opportunity to uh, spend some time with the ownership group of the PFL, which is a world-class uh, ownership group uh, made up of successful business people across sports, media, entertainment, and technology who are super excited and passionate about growing the brand of the PFL around the world. So I, I jumped at the opportunity uh, to lead the team uh, this past new year. Uh, I, I've been in the chair, so to speak, since January. And uh, in that time, you know, the team, uh, which we have a world-class management team as well, beyond the ownership group, we've secured distribution with NBCSN, with Facebook to deliver up to 300 million fans was going to be an incredible ride in product, um, and uh, we're ready to launch. But that's really how I got to the PFL. My first foray uh, was about six, seven years ago uh, when I had my company insignia. I want to talk about distribution in a minute, but for the people listening to this show and they say, what is the PFL? Describe it. Give me the elevator pitch that if someone said to you, well, what is the PFL? What is it going to do? Describe that for me. Yeah, we're, we're, the, we're the world's uh, only uh, professional MMA league where individual fighters compete in a regular season, a playoff, and a championship format. And, and fighters uh, have an opportunity uh, to compete in a postseason uh, uh, playoff and, and championship run where there's $10 million purse on the line. So what makes us unique is, number one, professionals in our name. Two, we're a fighter's first organization. And three, our format is, is a true sport format that fans uh, across multiple sports, including combat, understand. And we think uh, it's the right time to reimagine MMA and introduce this format into, into the fastest growing sport around the world. So as of today, you've signed 72 fighters in six weight classes. How do you attract those top athletes to the PFL? Is it the prize money? Is it the you know organization? Is it the distribution? Is it all of the above? Well, well I'm going to start with we have an amazing team led by Ray Seppo, who's our president of fighter operations. operations. Ray is a, uh, former, he's a world-class former uh, six-time champion in uh, kickboxing. Ray was also uh, the, the head of uh, matchmaking, if you will, at World Series of Fighting. So he's been, he's been matchmaking for uh, the last six-plus years. Carlos Silva, uh, he's the president of the league. And Ray and Carlos together has assembled an elite roster uh, of, of athletes from around the world. About 50% of our fighters are from the U.S. Uh, the other 50% uh, from, from parts of the world, 
expanding from Russia to Brazil to different parts of Europe and Latin America. And, and frankly, uh, we had the opportunity to partner and sign uh, some of the best available athletes uh, in MMA uh, who, are, who are hungry to compete on, uh, on one of the largest global stages in MMA. So you just described the format, but I'll tell you what I've got here just so our listeners understand. So uh, regular season is Thursday nights in June, July, and August. The top eight in each weight class face off in single elimination playoff fights on Saturday nights in October. And then this is what I think is really great. It concludes on New Year's Eve, December 31st, with six championship bouts back-to-back with, as you said a minute ago, a $10 million prize pool. That's a lot of money, but I like how you kind of stagger it, where you've got the regular season, you've got the playoffs, and then you've got that big event on New Year's Eve. You know, that's right, Brian. And and, and, and the opportunity, really, for fans, uh, our biggest events. I mean, every PFL event is a big event, from PFL 1 through 7 in the regular season uh, and then it, it kicks it up to the next level during the playoffs uh, that uh, will be staged in October. It's a win in advance, lose or go home proposition for the athletes. They have to earn their way to get into the, uh, the championship. And that championship, as you said, will essentially be the biggest night uh, in MMA of the year where you have six title fights in one card and not on pay-per-view, free, accessible to the fans around the world. Um, And so we decided to kick off the season here in New York, uh, and it culminates with the championship on New Year's Eve here in New York. So, uh, you know, prior to the the ball dropping in Times Square, there'll be six opponents dropping in in the cage and and six PFL athletes raising the belt and getting a million-dollar check each from the PFL. So we're really excited about the ride uh, this season, most importantly for the fans. The fans understand how to follow um, a, a format such as a regular season, a playoff, and a championship. Uh, so uh, we're really excited uh, about the reaction come this Thursday night. I'm always interested in the distribution deals for leagues like yours. And as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, NBC Sports Network and Facebook Watch. I like that you have broadcast covered with NBC, but then Facebook Watch, you know, I see what they've done with Tom Brady. They've got some other great things that they're doing in the sports realm. I like the digital component that you have there. How did you pick those two entities as your partners? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, NBC Sportsnet, uh, long-standing relationship with the World Series of Fighting. Uh, the team at NBC Sports is committed to MMA. Uh, they understand the sport. Uh, we just have a great comfort level together to deliver this new format uh, to fans. So, And then the strategy of Thursday nights, the opportunity with NBC to create a destination for MMA MMA on Thursday nights this summer, June, July, and August, uh, was a big driver of that. So, number one, uh, their, their credibility and interest in the sport. Two, um, the, the, the destination of Thursday nights in prime time. Uh, and NBC Sports it really validates the PFL as we're establishing the, uh, as we're establishing the sport. And, and coupled with uh, Facebook, it's our opportunity. Uh, we, we, we are in a world of, with so much disruption 
um, with OTT and how that's changing the landscape in, in media and, and, and obviously live sports really gives us the opportunity uh, to be on a platform, Facebook Watch, alongside properties such as MLB, World Surfing League, to reach MMA fans around the world. And we know there, there are 40 million uh, MMA fans here in the United States, outside the U.S., another 260 million that, frankly, uh, are underserved, and they want to watch live-quality products. So we're going to give them that access with Facebook. How is the PFL different from UFC or any other league that's been out there? Well, I think what makes it different is, is number one, the format with respect to uh, differentiation within the MMA sport. Um, two, more broadly, uh, we're all about innovation at the PFL. We have a great team uh, on, the, on the content side. Uh, George Greenberg, formerly of Fox Sports, 17 Emmy Awards. Uh, MMA is, is, is something that George is very familiar with. Uh, he broadcasted all the UFC events during his tenure uh, at, at Fox. But George brings a new perspective uh, to covering the action in the PFL and, and for MMA fans. That will be much different, many levels. It will be elevated. It will also integrate um, data and analytics, biometrics, customization for fans, uh, social integration. So we believe we're going to break new ground starting this year uh, in 2018 with our, our, our first inaugural season. But you can expect from the PFL innovation year over year, season over season, um, that we bring to, frankly, sport and, and MMA. And, and that's something we, we, uh, we aspire to, uh, to deliver. And not deliver innovation for the sake of innovation, but to offer fr- fans the way they're consuming content today, how they're consuming content, where they want to consume content, and not only the live action, but once again, context, data, analytics, information, and frankly, storytelling. Uh, you know, we, we pride ourselves uh, at PFL that we are storytellers, and, and we're gonna. You know, we know fans want to not only get closer to the action, they want context, uh, but they also want to connect with these athletes. So we'll be talking about their their backstories, uh, really sharing the the athlete's emotional journey, their physical journey of all the training, the preparation, what it takes to compete at this level in this sport. Uh, and all of the training and technique that's involved. Looking forward to really peeling that back for fans. Yeah, I like that. One of my favorite things to watch is uh, 24-7 on HBO leading up to a big fight. And, sure. you know, I can envision something like that here where you're getting to know these fighters and following them on their journey to what they hope is a million-dollar purse on December 31st. But, you know, I think fans want to get to know the backstory of the athletes and the people that they're following, so I think that's a great idea. No, I appreciate that, Brian. And I start, I cut my teeth at the NFL. I started at NFL Films working under Steve Sable uh, and his team of uh, – award-winning storytellers. I was part of the team that created the Hard Knock series. So we know what fans want, and it's, it's no different in MMA than it is in, in a sport like football in the NFL or the NBA. Fans want access, uh, but access with context and purpose. So uh, we're going to have fun with it. So you just hit on something i got to follow up on. Hard Knocks, give me the backstory on, okay, 
you know, you're discussing that idea. That's also one of my favorite shows. I know the Cleveland Browns are going to be featured this year, sure. but you're sitting around with some of your colleagues. How does the idea of hard knocks actually come to reality? Well, I, you, you will see that unfold from the PFL. I, I, I'm here in our official league hotel with 24 of the fighters who will be competing uh, here at Madison Square Garden on Thursday night. Um, and uh, they're preparing. The fighters are training. They're preparing. They're getting ready for their weigh-in. And so it's all content. It's all access. And, and frankly, uh, these fighters are have so much honor, and res- they have honor for the, state, the sport respect for one another as athletes and they do want to share their stories so uh more to come on that type of asset that type of access and, and, and stories that we'll be sharing that that frankly haven't been done before in the sport so we're looking forward to it but we're focused right now on uh stays in the live event on thursday night here Talk to me about ticket sales and ticket prices. Since this is an ongoing thing, can I buy a season ticket to it? Do I have to buy a fight-by-fight package? How much are tickets? Explain that to us. Yeah, we uh, a, uh, fans can buy um, uh, single events, multiple events uh, on, on PFLMMA.com and working with our venue partners. Uh, so, so you have that opportunity as, as, as well as fans. Uh, and ticket pricing, we're competitive uh, with uh, uh, other sports events that are going on um, in and around this time period in, in each city uh, where we're staging the events. Um, so we're, we're, we're excited about it, and uh, we're going to have great results. There's going to be a passionate fan base there on site with us uh, as, as we televise and, and ring the bell on June 7th. Last question for you. What does success look like? You're standing uh, it's late on December 31st. The bouts are done. Season one is under your belt. What does success look like for you? Yeah, it's a great question, Brian. I think what success looks like is, first and foremost, uh, our fighters had a great experience with the PFL, a rewarding journey from regular season through the playoffs and obviously the championship. So, you know, that's number one. Uh, number two is, is fans. Uh, we built that audience, and, and, and we know we're, we're, uh, we have something to prove, and uh, we, we believe fans are, are, are going to enjoy the experience that we deliver, uh, and, and we have no doubt that uh, we, will, we will be attracting, by the end of the season, a million-plus people around the world. Peter Murray, the CEO of the Professional Fighters League, otherwise known as the PFL. You can find them on Twitter at Pro Fight League or go online to PFLMMA.com. They debut on June 7th live on NBCSN and Facebook Watch. Peter, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on Sports Business Radio. Hey, Brian, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate the interest and uh Uh, Looking forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much, Brian. Good luck to you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Sports Business Radio is brought to you by MKTG. MKTG is a leading global lifestyle and marketing agency with 33 offices in 19 countries, including sports centers of excellence in New York, Paris, Madrid, Melbourne, and Tokyo. MKTG specializes in delivering strategic business-oriented marketing solutions for leading brands via sport and entertainment marketing, live experiences, retail marketing, hospitality, B2B engagement, and sponsorship marketing. 
Visit the MKTG website at mktg.com and review their insightful findings as part of their Decoding 2.0 study. Decoding 2.0 solidifies the need for a shift in thinking when selecting and marketing sport and lifestyle sponsorships. This unique study arms brand marketers with the quantitative data they need to specifically target those consumers most open to brand messaging and sponsorship, as well as provides a specific roadmap that identifies those tactics likely to produce the most receptive fans. Until now, the sponsorship industry has focused more on fan passion and avidity to identify sponsorships and develop activation strategies. Decoding 2.0 reveals the need to also understand the importance of fan receptivity. Follow MKTG on Twitter at MKTG. We'll bring MKTG's expertise to life during future segments on Sports Business Radio, so stay tuned for those. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. Thanks to our friends at MKTG. You can find them on Twitter at MKTG. Their website is mktg.com. They're a global lifestyle marketing agency, 33 offices in 19 countries, a leading sports sponsorship and activation agency. Make sure to check them out at mktg.com. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast. Go to iTunes, type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated in the top 50 business news podcasts. You can also find our show on Audio Boom via the TuneIn Radio and Stitcher apps, and, of course, at sportsbusinessradio.com. Follow me on Twitter in between shows at SB Radio. Follow us on Instagram at sportsbusinessradio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Bringing you the biggest names in sports business. Without further ado, we all know this gentleman. Let's give David Stern a big round of applause. Let's welcome the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. Give him a hand. Let's give a big hand to USC alum and co-owner of the Lakers and president of the Lakers, Jeannie Bust. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. Thank you so, so much for having me, Brian. It was very, very kind, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you, sir. Sir Charles, how are you? I'm doing good, man. How you doing this morning? Today's guest is Memphis Grizzlies head coach David Fisdale. You're the man, Barrett. My guest is tennis icon Chris Everett. He was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Pleased to welcome to the show Kyrie Irving, the number one pick in the 2011 NBA draft. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm happy to be joined by Pete Carroll, the executive VP of football operations and the head football coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Coach, how are you? Doing good. What's going on? Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Mark, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Visit sportsbusinessradio.com and subscribe to our iTunes podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Stay connected to the business side of sports only with Sports Business Radio.